Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 75. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to be finishing out Next Gen's third season with uh, Menage a Troy, Transfigurations, and The Best of Both Worlds Part 1. That doesn't even, uh, what, I don't even remember that episode. What happens in that one? I don't know. <laughs> uh, here we go. Menage a Troy, Season 3, Episode 24, Production Number 172. Original air date, June 10th, 1990. Directed by Robert Legato, written by Fred Bronson and Susan Sackett, music composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast include Majel Barrett as Loxana Troy, Frank Corsentino as Damon Tog, Ethan Phillips as Farrick, Peter Slutsker as Niebuhr, Rudolph Wilrich as Rayton Grax, and Carol Strachan as Mr. Home. At the conclusion of a trade conference on Beta Z, Commander Riker and Troy take shore leave on the planet while the Enterprise sets out on a routine mission. Shortly after Troy's mother, Loxana, interrupts a tender moment between her daughter and Riker, the trio is unexpectedly joined by two Ferengi who had served as delegates at the conference. One of the Ferengi, Dejamon Tog, proclaims that he has come for Loxana and kidnaps the three of them. All I am concerned about is my daughter's safety. What happens to me isn't important. What are you suggesting? Well, let me be candid, Damon Tog. Deanna's of no use to you. She's only half Betazoid. And if you keep Riker, Starfleet will never stop chasing you. Release them. Release them, and I will stay with you willingly. This might be the only time you will find in my notes that I wrote, um, Riker chesses his way out of his cell. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm going to just admit to something up front about this episode. You're going to be shocked. What could I possibly be about to say that would shock you? But you really, really like this episode. It's in your top five. No, I had never seen this episode. You've never seen it, huh? I, and I, I figured this out actually a while back. There was always a weird like overlap from um, from when I was moving as a kid that I missed some episodes, and then later there was some time doing some army stuff that I missed some episodes. That I went back, of course, and saw everything eventually. But this was the one that I never saw. And I, I figured it out a couple of years ago. And it was just before they started doing the HD one, so I decided I'm going to wait and see it for the first time. It'll be like a long last episode. I'll see it for the first time in HD. Um, yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it wasn't worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs> was it weird, though, seeing something? It was incredibly, it really yeah. was weird. It was really weird. I, I mean, I'm glad that it wasn't any good because then I would have. <laughs> and, I, and I knew at this point, of course, I completely knew the story already Mm -hmm. um, because there's been enough references and and stuff um but it it was weird it was weird like seeing them on beta z um you know it it did feel really weird and if it had been a good episode or more about our with our characters or something i don't know it it would have been um yeah even better but but it was bizarre yeah so can I um can I assume that um you would agree with me in the fact that so they pick up this whole Riker Troy thing kind of out of the blue by the way you know they haven't mm-hmm. you know hinted at this at all really since maybe season one so this is kind of out of the blue and then they're in this tender moment and then they just drop it and it never comes back again until the movie. Well, it's funny. I guess I don't know. I don't know if it, I think it was in the Bible or something before the show started. I you know how they have the Bible that that kind of sets up everything. 
it was either in the Bible or some memo from Roddenberry, something before the show ever began, he described Riker and Troy as, and I, and I even saw this again recently in some interviews or something, I forget where, but he described their relationship as they used to be romantically involved and now they're just people that like to have sex with each other every now and then. <laughs> well, Roddenberry, you know, so. yeah. Now, I don't know if they had the uh, friends with benefits phrase back then, but um, obviously we have not seen that. But it is weird, like in this episode, they're just going to kiss, but they're not in a relationship. They're not going to be in a relationship, you know? And I, I don't even think people would react to that if that's really what it was. I don't think you could even do that on television today. It would still just feel weird. Not like people would be like, uh, oh, that's immoral. No, I'm not even talking about that. It would just be weird. It would just be these are our two these are our two leads. I mean, they can they can spend the night with a guest star anytime and it doesn't hurt anything. <laughs> but when it's the two people that sit one chair apart on the bridge every day, it's mm-hmm. just weird, you know? And um, well, it's been- well, especially when they don't explore it at all or even explain it, right. it just happens. It's just you know, like you said, this doesn't, this isn't about um, Riker and Troy. It's about um, Loxana being kidnapped by Ferengi, and that's what it. This that's what this episode turns into. And it, like I said, that's just dropped. We don't even really get a resolution to what was going on there, and they just never pick it back up again. Yeah, so it's it's a little weird, and. Um... You know, eventually, sure, we're going to get in the in what in the last two movies, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, we get their kind of relationship and they get married and stuff. But you know, I guess probably the closest thing we could would see is like what you know, and what was it? Um, all good things, where you know you have the jealous old man Riker with Worf, but that's as close as you get. And that didn't really happen in right. the main timeline anymore. Um, so. You know, but but even that stuff aside, that is a minor bit. Like you said, they're about to kiss, and then uh, Loxana shows up, and then that's it. And even the rest of this episode, we don't go back to anything. Um, although, did, are they implying that Loxana has sex with the Ferengi just as a bargaining chip? I, I couldn't tell if they were saying that's what happened or not. Yeah, that's a bit unclear. Yeah, I mean, that's a little bit, I don't know. They they kind of let your imagination run wild there. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's just that. <clears throat> I mean, it's funny. There's there's almost nothing from this episode. It's not like this is a terrible episode. It's just not any good. And I, hey, I had not seen this episode before, and I'm <laughs> the Star Trek nut, and I obviously didn't feel like I was missing anything. <laughs> you know, I have a a couple of lines from a DS9 episode years later that basically told me everything I needed to know about this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably not good. Now, uh, the one cool thing, to, like, is the B story, of course, you get Wes deciding to stick around, and uh, he gets promoted, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yep. Um, and that's a nice scene. Uh, that's a, nice, a couple of nice scenes, like, with him and Picard and things. Um Hmm, I'm kind of floundering because I just found this episode entirely unremarkable. Well, I mean, I always, for whatever reason, I, yeah, I agree with you on how kind of mediocre it is, but it's, um, 
for some reason, I always remember it too. It may be that even though I know their body doubles, the notion of Troy being nude in that one scene, <laughs> I think that just that's probably what sticks out for me. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, uh, but otherwise, yeah, it just kind of goes on and on and on, and uh, it's a little funny to see Picard with the ending and his carrying on to. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, that's fun. That's funny. Picard goes crazy to yeah. And Ethan Phillips is in this, you know, another little size. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So. Um. Mm. Yeah, this is not good radio. Hmm. Well, um, if we had, a, if only we had some really good episodes. Yeah, I know. To talk about know. later. It's unfortunate. Um. I mean, I, I like Roxana. Obviously, we talked about that. You know, she's, I mean, th- there's humor in it. It's, yeah, there is some. It's, am- there's, funny it's stuff. amusing at times, for mm-hmm. sure. You talked about Riker um, playing chest out of his cell. <clears throat> mm-hmm. what, what, what was your quote, Brian? What did you say? I made up a word. Riker chesses his way out. There you go. Uh huh. Well, kind of, you know, kind of a Kirk kind of maneuver a little bit. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially if it had been a computer controlling the cell. Yes. Um, <laughs> It is kind of neat just from the, you know, Trek um, literary point of view or something, you know, the historian or something. This is one of those. Is this the only time we see Beta Z? Um, maybe. maybe. Uh, yeah. I can't, I can't recall another one off the top of my head. Nor can I. I mean, it's certainly the first time. And that's, so that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Even though, I mean, it's, it's. You don't see anything remarkable about it. It's just a. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> One big garden. <laughs> mm. Um. Oh, golly. Uh, um, Caesar, what's your what's this, your favorite scene in this episode? Um, my favorite scene in the episode. <laughs> um. Uh, Steve, you want to go first? Where uh, the scene where I think I'm looking at Marina Sirtis nude, even though I know I'm not. Why did those have to be body doubles? I mean, I don't cares? know. What's up with backs? that? Good mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice. That was a nice part of the nice visual. There's nice visuals in this. Episode. Is this the first time we really established the concept of you know um, females in Ferengi society not wearing clothes? Or no, they mentioned that before in another episode. I, I believe they mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the scene at the end where you get to see um, Picard. Go way over the top. I'm sure yeah, Patrick Stewart didn't. Yeah, yeah, that's doing very. That. Yeah, Patrick Stewart. You can see him enjoying that. Just, just went. Yeah, he just went all the way. So yeah, I mean, like his Mr. Worf. If Loxana is not in my arms in ten <laughs> seconds, fire everything you've got. Ten, <laughs> five, eight. Much funnier if he finished counting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, I wonder. I wonder how the. I wonder how him and the director came to that. Just come in here like you don't care and just fire. You know. <laughs> Aloof. It was just funny. It was amusing. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, you know, Loxana and I mean, um, the actresses, the two of them, they have a lot of chemistry. The Troys, uh, you know, um, but no, this is this is silly. Oh, what's this episode about? We just want to get to best of both worlds. Yeah. I'm sure. What's this episode about? <sighs> Lost love. Does what does this episode bring to Star Trek? Is this a is this a flat out bad episode? Yeah, I don't think it really does anything for the characters, and I think we've kind of adequately gone over why. Is it is it bad? 
Well, I wouldn't call it bad because okay. for me, what it does, it does. Um, there is continuity elements as we've talked about, and there's also some humor in it. And um, you learn when you learn a little bit of background on something. You know, I think all these little things keep it from becoming just bad for me. You know, yeah, and like you see, said, the see, the yeah. Wesley storyline was progressed. Yeah. <clears throat> so. So it's a Star Trek episode for Star Trek fans only, but we get something out of it. I, I think so. Yeah. I'd say so. Okay. Is it about anything? Well, like I said, Brian, you, you went, what, 25 years without seeing it, so or 23. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you turned out all right as a Star Trek fan. <laughs> you know what was funny, though, is that I realized I'd never seen it, it was two or three years ago when I saw a picture um, of – Riker and Troy walking, and it said something about them walking on Beta Z. <laughs> You're like, I was like, what? what? Uh, and then I felt, I, I kind of, I like, I went through a period of like, should I even tell them that I? <laughs> am I gonna, am I gonna lose my 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 membership your, card? Your street cred? Yeah, it's kind of like kind of like when you go to conventions, and I have seen this happen where there's a kind of a Q and A, and there's a back and forth, and and it basically gives away that someone doesn't know something or never saw something or whatever and everyone's just kind of like looking at each other funny and it's like why is he even a here and stuff like that <laughs> oh okay. yeah yeah well you haven't I mean, seen all that, I 1200 went hours after that i'm because i know i'd seen everything else because if nothing else uh original series ds9 voyager enterprise when the dvds came out mm-hmm. you know i watched those in marathon but that did not happen when 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 next gen originally aired this mm-hmm. section is whenever i was uh moving from one state to another and then when this se- when next gen came on dvd i was actually moving from um you know college in texas to la california uh so it it there would just happen to be those two moments in my life of major disruption uh so i bought all the dvds when they came out but i don't I never, I never marathoned them the way I did all the other shows. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so after this, I went through the list to make sure, and, and no, I mean I'd seen everything else, but there are there are still several episodes that I've only seen once actually of Next Gen, so that'll be that'll be fun to see. Hmm. This, but anyhow, uh, yeah, um, I'm I'm sorry. Did we figure out what it was about? Nothing. <laughs> uh huh. I yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of something, but I didn't get anything in my notes. I didn't have any. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe a little bit of, you know, because the one meaningful thing that I mean, Loxana legitimately was ready to sacrifice herself for her daughter, and as the as the episode progressed, it was clear she wants, um, she wants what's best for her. I mean, you know, she's always trying to marry her off or do something like that. Yeah. But you know, th- this is one of those times that I, you know, really got that feeling. It's like for real, she would just. She would, you know, lay down her life or lay down her freedom or whatever for her. So maybe there's a little bit of that. It was one of the one of the few meaningful things or kind of emotional, heartfelt <coughs> things this episode for me. Yeah, and the and the flip side of that too is from from Deanna, like at the beginning when the Loxana says, you know, hey, what about a family? And Deanna says, this is my family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we get something a little bit of Deanna, you know, that she that her time on Enterprise and her job there is really, really, really that important to her. You know, and mm-hmm. these people are her friends, and yeah. um, consequently, I'm clearing my throat, and I'm just reminded I, I saw someone recently left an iTunes review and uh, chastised me for doing that all the time. And you know what? You're absolutely right. I shouldn't do it so much. I got that from my dad. 
So I'm going to try to do is mute it. See, when I mute it, you can't hear. But now you can hear me again. Uh, so I'll try to just mute that every time. I can't stop myself from you know, <laughs> doing that all the time. But I can try to mute it. So that, that's that's just for you, uh, iTunes reviewer. <laughs> You're right. um, anyway, I think we've, unless, Caesar, you have something you want to say with this about, I'm ready to move No, on. I'm good. Okay, great. Let's move on. Six degrees for Menage Troy. Oh, uh, you going first or second, Caesar? Um, I'll go first. Ethan Phillips plays Ferrek. Ferrek, the Ferengi medical officer who fails to probe Loxana's mind. He's best known for his role as Neelix on Voyager, but he had a cameo in one of the features as a Mater D. Which film was that? Um, that would be First Contact. You are correct. Steve, mm-hmm. Peter Slutsker plays Nibor, the Ferengi that plays chess rather poorly. He played a Krenum military officer in the two-part Voyager episode, Year of Hell. This was Voyager's sweeps entry for which season? Ooh, okay. Do they even do that nowadays? Is that even a thing, sweeps? I don't know. I haven't heard about it for a long time. Yeah, you um, don't hear about it the way we used to. Like, always, it was such a big deal. I'm not yeah, sure. They still, they still have them, but... But they don't talk about it like they used to. Was so. it a fifth? No. Adam? Um... Either one or two. I'll go fourth. You're correct. It was season four. Moving on. Transfigurations, season three, episode 25, production number 173. Original air date, June 17th, 1990. Directed by Tom Binko, written by Renee Caveria. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Colin Meany as Miles O'Brien, Mark Lamura as John Doe, Julie Warner as Christy Henshaw, Charles Dennis as Sunad, and Patty Tippo as Temple. <laughs> When the Enterprise discovers a severely injured humanoid in the wreckage of an escape pod, Geordi volunteers to have his nervous system hooked up to the strangers in order to stabilize him. During the process, a wave of visible energy is transmitted from the humanoid to Geordi. Dr. Crusher holds little hope for the recovery of the patient. She has dubbed John Doe, but he soon begins to exhibit amazing healing powers. The friendship we've developed has made me very happy. The rapport that exists between us also means a great deal to me. But I am on some kind of a journey. Whatever brought me here, whatever is happening to my body, is all part of that journey. Transfigurations. Um, Steve, kick us off. Well, um, I, I think this. there's more to this than in... Menage à Troy, but uh, I also kind of get bored with it a little bit. I don't. It feels a little claustrophobic at times, but um, mm-hmm. you know, it does have something to say. And uh, there's a there's some fun lines early on. You have uh, uh, the Jordy Wharf stuff, and you see what's going on. I mean, you know, the, this is kind of a running gag with Jordy and women and such. And mm-hmm. uh, but. Um, it's I I enjoyed Worf's uh, reaction, you know, like he's taught him something, you know, when he's actually yeah, turning things around. That that's it's humorous. Worf gets all the funny lines in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I should say all the intentionally funny lines. <laughs> um, well, that that whole intro is a little bit weird because it's like it really feels like it's going to be a Jordy episode, doesn't it? Uh huh. Uh-huh. And then it's not only is it not, but there's almost nothing to it. The only follow up later, he just. I mean, you're almost. I mean, I'm just. Um, um, uh, 
geared for it now, but you're you're I'm, I'm like expecting what terrible thing is going to happen to Jordy now. He's got some alien <laughs> yeah. in his brain or something, you know, but that's not what it is at all. So in a way that's kind of nice because it's not what I expected and it's different, but on the other hand, there's so nothing to it that it's like, well, why do they even bother? I don't know. It really comes off but, as if they had they finished it and then they had a lot of time to fill and it's like we need mm-hmm. to add something here, you know. Filler filler. Yeah, I think um probably it suffers from the same problem maybe the the menage a Troy suffers from. It's it's a good this one is a it's a good episode. I think it's a solid episode. I don't think it's great or horrible. It's just it's in the middle. But it's not really about any of the main characters. It's more exactly. about, yeah, about the, yeah. the John Doe character. It's completely um, about John Doe and that's why it kind of bores me and that's why I'm not I kinda check out when I'm watching this episode. I'm sure they had a they had an opportunity to do something with Jordy or even crush her in this episode, yeah. and they just kind of. Well, kinda I think faded. that was the intention. You know, they hired Echeverria to write this based on a very simple premise of of um, Crusher saving somebody's life that you know that seemed like they were you know they couldn't be saved, um, and it would be more of a medical show. Uh, but. But what we get is this episode about this crash guy, crash victim. Not, you know, if if they'd, if it had been more about their relationship, you know, Crusher and John Doe, you know, maybe. Uh, I mean, there's hints at that. For me, the nicest scene in this episode is the the dinner scene between Crusher and Wesley, between Beverly and Wesley. It's yeah, a nice scene. It it feels fun because it's like, hey, this is a normal night for them. You know, and nobody's possessed by an alien or slapping somebody <laughs> or whatever. You know, it's just they're just having dinner, and he's like, "Hey, you got a you got a crush on him?" And she's like, oh, "Well, you know, kind of." But our relationship is spiritual. I don't know. I, I like that scene, and um, even though not much happens in it, maybe the reason I like it more than the scenes where a lot more happens, or that, or maybe more interesting, uh, I like it because it's our characters. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that the two things that bug me about this episode. The primary one, yes, is this thing about it's not about our characters. Uh, and then two, it doesn't seem terribly focused. Like it goes from this Jordy episode intro to um, a medical show to you know the guy the the species that's that's turning into an energy thing. Mm-hmm. And even that, I feel like we've seen that on Star Trek, not just before, yeah. but like on Star Trek. I feel like we've seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it doesn't. Just- Go ahead. I was just going to say, did you notice like how much time passes on this episode? It's like months. This episode. I couldn't. Yeah, I, I didn't make a note of that. Either. That was. I tried to figure it out, and I still don't know. Is it supposed to be a, a week, thirty days? It, I think there's confusing. like literally. I think at one point, Jordy is like you know. I think there's months is actually passed. Well, there's. I think there are two distinct references. Early on, there's something like last month something happened when Jordy says when this hall he got this newfound confidence or whatever, like last mm-hmm. month, whatever that means. Then later on, it's established that it takes three more weeks to get to the people that need to pick up John Doe or something. So yeah. it's definitely over a month, you know. Say six weeks at least. I guess it's possible that even though they said that, the Zalconians, Zalconians, Zarconians, I guess it's possible that they, you know, they were traveling at high warp and mm-hmm. intercepted them before that three-week period was up. But we, we I, I don't know. Yeah, we. I remember we commented. There was one other episode where it was bizarrely like, oh, hey, this must, this takes place over the course of weeks, maybe months? I don't, <laughs> yeah. know. I, I don't know why that comes off as so bizarre to us now because it sounds like we none, none of us thought about this 20 years ago. But <laughs> it is weird. It is weird. 
it's just another thing in this episode that makes it feel unfocused mm-hmm. you know yeah and they're on kind of like a what is this what they're just charting a, a system so it's like this long i guess they were kind of wanted to show that the enterprise does mundane missions because, I mean, you know, there's nothing really going on. I mean, nobody's really like, oh, yeah, we're just kind of flying through this system. And it's not like they're really doing anything. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe that was kind of the backstory of being, why does the Enterprise always have to be in some sort of crazy situation? Let's just have them in a mundane, you know, routine, normal kind of situation with something crazy going on other than the mission. Well, we get uh, O'Brien kayaking injury that needs to prepare, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that reminded me of DS9. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, he didn't do it. John Doe didn't do a very good job because he continues to. <laughs> right. He didn't. Wasn't a permanent. I, thing, I, I, I see a malpractice suit there. <laughs> <laughs> that, actually, that that scene, you know, the scene where John Doe kills and then resurrects Worf is is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Worf oh. certainly has these experiences with these kind of dying not dying things mm-hmm. there's other examples he's yeah mm-hmm. he's got the episode later in the show where he breaks his back right? yeah yeah mm-hmm. um are we just spinning our wheels trying to get the best of both worlds or is this i just want to make <laughs> sure this is legitimately a lame episode uh, a a not lame that's has in such a negative connotation uh, an unremarkable you know average very 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 average and possibly forgettable episode I think really, it's that, that right, and it's not just that we're so excited to talk about. Best I think so. Well. I mean, I think it has more to say as far as yeah, I mean, something that's about than the last one. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a good message that this episode is trying to tell, you know, about um, about human evolution and you know not fearing something that's different. So I think it has a good message in this show. So that's, I think that's what at least makes it a, a, you know, an average, a decent episode. Nothing, nothing remarkable. I think we can all agree about, but I wouldn't say. It's below average. I would give it. I would give it a B, C plus, C minus, or B minus something. But yeah, it, it's. I, I like the message that it was trying to convey there at the end. I concur. Oh, the scene between John Doe and Beverly in Ten Four is is kind of nice, you know, mm-hmm. when they kind of acknowledge that maybe they had feelings for one another. Um, you know, and he says something about. I don't know what my mission is but it has to take precedence over other considerations you know i mean you can tell what they're talking about and that's that's kind of nice mm-hmm. 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 the um, um the darth vader move was really nice at the end that was interesting to choke <laughs> everybody out yeah that was kind of that was that was actually kind of cool and it still kind of startled me because it's everybody on the ship that's kind of freaky and it's weird too because like the captain of that other vessel he doesn't he like turn to you know, somebody else in the bridge and gives them a motion or something indicating they should do this. Like, what technology do, do they have? <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. Is, I mean, maybe if, it, you know, if it's like Q or something, almost more magical, but this is like some guy pushes a button. Does, yeah. it, does the button say, <laughs> you know, choke out? <laughs> choke out people, uh, everyone on other ship. <laughs> is that what that is? Because, I mean, really, it's not like, I don't know, if, you, I don't know, if they, if you flood it with gas or something, I mean, that makes some sense, but. What is it that's yeah, specifically weird. targeting our throats or something? They, they should have had that. They should have had that card in the Star Trek card game, the chokeout yeah. card. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that's not the only weird thing in there. We also have one of our own pieces of technology. Early on, I don't recall any other show where it's like, oh, let's 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 stabilize his brain with your brain here on the <laughs> oh, on the yeah. trip upstairs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, that's weird. 
Well, like I said, my problem with that is it just is that it was just misled me into expecting a different kind of show. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I didn't. I, I think I didn't mind that because it was fun to get some to get something different and surprise me. But I just what I didn't like was the way that it went almost nowhere with that aspect of it. And then I felt like, well, why why even bother? But I guess I already talked about that. Um, I think, I so think, yeah. Go ahead. Steve. Well, I was just saying I think that's kind of that's. There's a lot of that in this episode because, as we also spoke of, this time passing thing. I mean, that by itself isn't enough to, you know, kill an episode or make it weird. But when it's that's such an unusual thing and it's just throwaway, it's kind of the same thing as like let's throw in Jordy and all this kind of bit and then just kind of pass it up and throw it away too. You know, it's it's it messes too much with our expectations. You know, there's this balance of you know being surprised but also having some expectations met. Yeah, I mean, I think they could have, I mean, I don't have a problem with them, you know, that much time being involved in an episode. I, I, you know, if, it, if an episode takes place over several months, it can be done, but there's got to be a little bit of transition for the audience to know that's going on, you know, either, you know, some narration or, you know, slow dissolves or something that kind of helps with that. So you're not like confused about what the hell's going on. I think it, it wasn't like a main problem with the episode, but it didn't help it at all. It just kind of added to the kind of the, just the, yeah, it wasn't very elegantly handled. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, real quick, does, does this relationship that Jordy struck, does it continue or is, no. is this all we see it? Is it? It's always, okay. I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember. Yeah, I like her. I think she's cute. Yeah. She's cool, but nope, this is it. Um, what's this episode about? Um, I think it's about, you know, like I said, you know, um, obviously the John Doe character, he's going through a, tra- you know, a mutation and transformation, you know, a, you can call it ascending, evolving, basically taking the next leap in this species evolution. And so... It kind of goes to the point that all things evolve, all things are supposed to ascend and become greater than what they are. But there's also a pushback, and you know, and it's also represented in this episode. There's a pushback to that of um, fear, you know, you know, of of the unknown, of of people being different. So, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's kind of a combination of, um, you know, you can't stop progress you can't stop change and also the dangers of um you know of of trying to do that and ultimately repressing a people and taking away their rights and so on just um even if you're oh look i did it i didn't mute it sorry about that Um, (laughs) if you're doing that and you're not about our characters then i guess it just doesn't have as much of a yeah indeed yeah yeah i'd agree so I mean, not 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 a bad episode. Just certainly not even on the same planet as the episode we're about to discuss. Hmm. Uh, but first, six degrees for transfigurations. Uh, Adam has two. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. This is Julie Warner's second and final appearance as Christy Henshaw. Earlier in Season 3, Christy rejected Jordy's pass while on the holodeck. Later in that episode, Jordy enlisted the help of another woman created on the holodeck to get the Enterprise out of a sticky situation. Name that episode. Oh, yeah. I remember the uh, incident. I'm just trying to recall the name of the episode. Um, uh, Booby Trap? You are correct. It was Booby Trap. 
Uh, Adam, Charles Dennis plays Sunad, the Zalconian commander that really, really wants to kill John Doe. In Enterprise's first season, he played Chancellor Trillette and was enlisted to help find true crew, two crew members lost in the desert in the episode Desert Crossing. It's an episode of Enterprise. Which two crew members were lost in the desert? Um, crew member. This is the first season you said? Yes, sir. First season. Um, to Paul and Archer. No. Steve? <laughs> Could you run that by me again briefly? Yes. Uh, in Enterprise's first season, Charles Dennis played Chancellor Trillet, Trillet and was enlisted to help find true, two crew members lost in the desert in the episode Desert Crossing. Mm. Which two crew members were lost in the desert? These are two crew members um, of Enterprise right. lost in the desert. Was it um, Trip and Reed? No, it was Archer and Tucker. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, two, one, Adam. Moving on. The Best of Both Worlds, Part 1, Season 3, Episode 26, Production Number 174. Original air date, June 18, 1990. Directed by Cliff Bowl, written by Michael Piller, music composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast include Call Meany as Miles O'Brien, Elizabeth Dennehy as Lieutenant Commander Shelby, George Murdoch as Admiral J.P. Hansen, Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. <laughs> Suspecting that the powerful Borg are responsible for the disappearance of an entire Federation colony, Starfleet sends Lieutenant Commander Shelby, an ambitious young woman who specializes in Borg matters, to assist the Enterprise crew in their investigation. It, quick, it is quickly apparent that she is interested in more than just the Borg. Riker has been offered command of his own ship, and Shelby would like to replace him on the Enterprise. Freedom is irrelevant. Self-determination is irrelevant. You must comply. We would rather die. Death is irrelevant. Your archaic cultures are authority-driven. To facilitate our introduction into your societies, it has been decided that a human voice will speak for us in all communications. You have been chosen to be that voice. You know, I think I have seen this episode. I was. I, it occurred to me, I, I think I've seen this single episode of Star Trek more than any other single episode of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. kind of funny. The, the number of times this thing is so watchable. And, you know, nowadays, of course, most of the time, I mean, I'm watching part two right alongside it. But um, uh, it's just so exciting from start to finish. It's so watchable. It's so great because it's a, even as a big almost action-y kind of thing um, with all this. We, it's still about our characters. You know, it's still really got something about Riker in there mm-hmm. in his career yes. stuff. And it's and it's still got you know uh, uh, Picard becoming Locutus is is actually a lot of stuff for his character and <clears throat> um and we're going to talk in, at length here about how great this episode is and and why I'm sure but interestingly I I don't think you can overestimate the significance this this episode had on not just Next Generation but Star Trek as a whole mm-hmm. um, because. After this episode, the comparisons between, you know, it's, we're three years in now. Think about how far this show has come in three years. Think about the average first season episode. And now think about this episode, you know. Um, after this episode, 
the comparisons to the original series stop. You know, it's not even a question of, well, I like the original better. You know, it, it wasn't, it just wasn't like that anymore. This was a, not just a legitimate show, not just a legitimate Star Trek show, but a great show in its own right. And people took notice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, even if they weren't Star Trek people, they took notice and started well, watching this show and the ratings were great and the reviews were great and people were talking about it. And that summer of 1990, mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, this this is the show everybody talked about. Star Trek had never done a cliffhanger before. This was the first two-parter since the unintentional sort of two-part. Well, I mean intentional, but, you know, uh, the two-parter in the original series in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, And the summer of 1990 belonged to Star Trek The Next Generation. This episode was so huge and so popular and so successful uh, and brought so many new people back at the beginning of season four, for the first time, Paramount like launched a marketing campaign about the episode "Best of Both Worlds" Part Two. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd never done that for. I mean, yeah, they'd had marketing campaigns about Watch Next Gen, but they'd never had Watch This Episode. That had never happened, right? Yeah. Um, this episode just changes all that. It just it changes it changes the the perception of Next Gen. It changes the perception of Star Trek. This episode. You can you could you could make the uh, convincing argument that you know this episode sa- kind of saves the franchise almost. You know how many more like seasons one and two? Mm-hmm. We obviously couldn't have had very many more seasons like that before it would have killed everything. Yeah. Even season three, we all agree this season has picked up and it's had some killer episodes. Uh, I don't know that they were necessarily getting talked about the world outside of Star Trek until after this episode. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, well, it's kind of funny. Next so gen you... success is going to give us these other Star Trek shows and 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 really keep the whole thing going. Caesar, well, I was going to say it was kind of it's kind of weird. You think about um, in season three, this is when Next Gen finally kicks off it really gets going um and season three for the original series was the end and so it's yeah. kind of mm-hmm. a weird um opposite yeah i think in a way i think this this episode marks the beginning of the golden age of the contemporary trek you know i think it it pretty much starts at this point and lasts through some point around first contact, Star Trek first contact and a little bit past that maybe, you know, but, and I think it's, it's because it did something that hadn't been done in before and it, and it did it and it's, you know, became a, something important in its own right. The big cliffhanger got it all the attention and people paid more attention to it. Like all those things you said, but I really, yeah, I really think this is the mark of the beginning of that golden age in the nineties of Trek's popularity. Would you say, um, well, yeah, the nineties would probably have to be Star Trek's strongest decade. Mm-hmm. Well, there were a few years there when there was just so much going on. Multiple series, movies, the Star Trek The Experience was being, you know. Yeah. It it was, it really was the nuttiest time. I don't think, I I think it's, I feel pretty confident to say that that's not going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That amount, you know. Um, It's just just not the same world of media anymore. Um, But, all right. So let's get into the nitty-gritty of this episode and why it's so damned good. So we'd seen the Borg before, obviously. This was their first appearance. But this is where, well, I remember commenting with Q Who you earlier about um, how much had been established that I hadn't realized really was established then. But 
anything left comes now. Now we get actually assimilation, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, before there was that hint about being born or something, whatever, forget that. Okay, they assimilate people, got mm-hmm. it. Uh, this is the episode where we get resistance is futile. Mm-hmm. You know, we never heard that before. Uh, that that scene when um, where they call, desire is irrelevant, freedom is irrelevant, death is irrelevant. Uh, that stuff we hadn't gotten that before. You know, and, and and hearing that like death when he says we would rather die than Picard says we'd rather die than live as slaves or something, and they say death is irrelevant. That is scary. <laughs> sure, that's like like this is the most defiant thing I can say. I would rather die, and they say I don't care. <laughs> it's irrelevant. You know what? Well, what have you got left after that? <laughs> you say I would just rather be dead. If that doesn't buy you anything, you're pretty screwed. <laughs> um, and you yeah, kind of see that in Brett Card's face, really, when they when yeah. you say it. Because and that's and that's been the whole thing about the Borg that's made them so effective is. Starfleet, humanity in general, doesn't know how to respond to this threat because it's so foreign. You know, it doesn't make any sense to us. There's no reasoning. There's no logic. There's nothing but no emotion. Nothing. But escape or victory or slavery. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing else. Um, I love that scene. I'm just jumping all over the place. You guys jump in any point and you know, anything. But the the scene when they first encounter the cube. You know, and. The Enterprise is so overwhelmed so quickly. You know, what other action, you know, Enterprise versus a vessel seen in history, do they go so fast from beginning the fight to fire everything you've got? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That takes like Shields 30 down, seconds. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's, so, it's, so, it's so exciting, but it's still so, like, almost cold. And on the, you know, they're just, okay, do this, do this, do this. Okay, you know, and but if you know Star Trek, you know... It doesn't. Sa- they don't sound all that nervous and scared. But you know Star Trek, and you're like, "Holy crap! There's nothing af- after fire. Everything. There's nothing left you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. That if you can't outrun you know, them. Yeah. So then, what happened? Yeah, very quickly. You know, Shelby jumps up and makes this suggestion to Data. You know, to alter the frequencies of the phaser, and, and he does that, and they break free. And what do they do? Run! Run as fast as you can. Just get away. <laughs> you know, how often have we seen that? How often has that happened? Well, would Kirk kind have of done that? Kirk would have been like, "Sorry, guys, we're just we're gonna stay and die." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned because you know I've seen this episode a zillion times as well, and um, it's kind of funny when you see an episode so many so many times over and over again, you start to replay. Well, what else could they have done? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, when they first spotted the board ship, shouldn't they just gone warp nine in the other direction and just had the the cube chase them around, you know, I go through all these little scenarios in my head. How how would I get away from the Borg in that situation? <laughs> Well, that first, the very first meeting, I mean, they didn't know for sure that's what was going to happen. You know, um, I, I can see why he went up there in the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, if nothing else, uh, Starfleet needed needed to know what yeah, was yeah. up. Um, um, I, had a, I had a curious question, you know, watching this episode also again. Um, this episode felt more like a Riker episode. Than yeah, I yeah, I mean, thought too. It's yeah, it's it's basically a Riker episode in my opinion. I mean, and that's what what takes it to me. That's what takes it from being good to great. All that other stuff made it really, 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 really good. But to jump that, to get over that last hurdle of going from really, really, really good to great, mm-hmm. it needed a serious character bit, and that was it. You know, Riker, 
why am I still here? I'm. It's funny. There's so many awesome things in this episode. Freaking the, Picard turns his head and he's Locutus of Borg, and that laser's going into the camera. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. an incredible reveal. But in some ways, the most memorable scene in this episode, the, the one, the, the lines that that I can hear the rhythm of them and just hear them in my head so easily, it's Riker talking mm-hmm. to Troy on Ten Forward. Why am I here? I am. What am I still doing here? You know, you know? And I, it it made me think about you know we like to give a lot of credit to um, Brent Spiner and um, Patrick Stewart and you know everybody did a good, great. Yeah, you know, he's really. I mean, you know, because we talk about Data, it's a great character. There's a lot to explore in humanity there. But I mean, yeah, Frank's and the care the way they wrote the character and all the conflict. I never, you know, I didn't really even think about it until you know. Obviously, this is why we do the show. We go back and we think about it, and you kind of look at it in a new way. And I'm like, I never really thought of this as actually being a Riker episode. And Thinking about the next episode, that's kind of a Riker episode too, but we'll talk about it in the next episode. But yeah. we don't really get into Picard until after all of this is over. What what's mm-hmm. going on with Picard? And that's what's kind of cool about it. It's it it is a very much a Picard episode too, but not really. It's really about the growth of um of Riker and his decisions moving forward with the rest of his life. It's kind of interesting. There's uh, I've seen some interviews. You know, Michael Piller pretty much wrote this one by himself, which is unusual. Um. And uh, he talked about, because he'd only signed a, a deal to be the showrunner for Next Gen for that one year, season three. And it was when he was he was writing this episode and he talked about how that scene, he was having the same conversation with himself. Because I think, you know, there was a part of him that was thinking about sticking around, um, you know. But even even though he hadn't planned for that, you know. And he's like, well, why am I still thinking about staying as a showrunner for this show? You know, and obviously we're all glad that he did. Um, but you know, that's, that's exactly the kind of thing that, that takes it from, from, from good to great. You know, when you've got the writer really having this personal, you know, this introspection and, and, and he brings that into this character and and it works so well. I mean, it even, I don't know, even just that tiny little moment between, uh, Riker and and Troy on 10 forward, it it expands their relationship a little bit too, you know? Um, you know, because there's a little bit, there's there's a tiny bit of a melancholy thing there too. Because, you know, he's he says, I don't remember his exact words, but he basically says, "I even gave up us mm-hmm. to pursue this, my career." You know, um, and the the character Shelby's really good. She pushes him in the right ways. Kind of, mm-hmm. this is what it. Yeah, and, and she's so much fun to kind of be like, "Oh my god, I hate her sometimes." Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she's very effective. Dennehy is a great great actress. She's she's perfect in this role. Um, she's very 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 good. And obviously, this wish, all the, I always wish they'd br- have brought her back, but they never did. And obviously, this all culminates in because Riker's got to take command. He's got to take command at the end of this episode, and that's what all of the, all this. So I mean, it's just a great buildup for Riker because I mean, you know, if you're your first time watcher this episode, you obviously don't know what's going to happen. But I mean, you know, you look at how they build Riker all the way up and. He has to he has to step up to this moment, and then they just kind of cut it off when he says fire. So it's um, it's speaking it's of that. Little... Any, I'm I'm curious. Do you guys remember? I mean, I'm, you guys remember when this first aired? Uh, was there any part of you that ever thought, you know, Picard wasn't coming back, or that they were going to fire and destroy that Borg ship? I mean, did you think that at all? You know, the the obviously, you know, the ending still. This ending still completely holds up. This cliffhanger yeah. bit. Because I know what's going to happen, and still I feel, yeah. you know, I f- we were just talking about uh, we we 
saw this uh, the movie Quran's new movie Gravity, and the movie's so good. And there's so many moments I'm like on the edge of my seat, like my blood's pumping. I'm like, oh my god, grab mm-hmm. it, grab it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when she's flying through space. Uh, I know exactly what's happening in Best of Both Worlds Part Two. <laughs> yet that sequence, the, the sequence when the Borg <clears throat> jump, you know, they they beam on and grab Picard, and yeah, and Worf hops over the horseshoe, you know, uh, and they they take Picard away. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. And then that the last bit there, when the camera kind of pans around and you got that Ron Jones, you know, super famous music cue, dun, 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 you know, all that music there. And mm-hmm. he says, fire. I know exactly what's going to happen, yet I'm still so excited in that moment. It's still so, like, heart pumping. And that's, oh, yeah. that's a perfect sign of it's, it's just everything's coming together so well. It's made so well that even when... I have no logical reason to feel excited the way I do because I know exactly how it's going to turn out. I still feel that way. Um, so I, this is still without, for me, you know, obviously yeah, well, we've talked about this many times. DS9 might be my favorite Star Trek show, but, you know, on the list of bests, I think this is the best cliffhanger of, in all of Star mm-hmm. Trek. I mean, and, and, of course, for me, I mean, I mean, it's probably it's the greatest cliffhanger in television history. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I'm, anyway, I'm I'm curious if you guys remember that that moment of fire. I'm I'm curious if you, if how you guys spent that summer. Did did, did you think something crazy was going to happen? I remember it, but I don't. I I uh, I didn't think. No, I didn't think anything particularly crazy. But I do remember all the hype and possibilities. You know, all the media coverage, speculating, or you know, is is Patrick Stewart going to leave the show? All these different things. I remember all that going on. I didn't personally think they would do that, but I do remember all the talk. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, especially with Star Trek, I mean, you know, there's a level of trust between the viewer and the writers. I don't know if they, I guess they could have tried to get away with that. I don't think the show was strong enough to kill off a captain at that time. They might be able to do it in a in a in an upcoming series if they ever do another one, but um, at that particular time, I think it would have been a big risk to try and kill off, <laughs> kill off a captain there. So I don't think I, I i don't recall being afraid that you know we weren't gonna they weren't gonna come out of it well in a way you know there was another thing this episode had going for it it was it was saying this was the first time a star trek show was ending season three and coming back for a season four mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh and this episode was like not only we're we coming back we are definitely coming back yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was that sense of of um Continuity and assuredness. I think. Was there ever was there ever a doubt in that season about beginning a season four? Yeah, I mean, was I it think already? if it had been on actually been on a network, I don't know. It was getting good ratings and all, so it. I mean, the ratings were good. They just they just went from you know good to phenomenal after this. Okay. So, um, but if it had been on a network, I don't know. It would have been a very 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 different show since it was syndicated. It was. Anyway, um, even the, uh, I mean, all the effects work is great. There's not a lot there, but like the teaser, I'm still excited by the teaser. I think that's a fantastic teaser. You kind of pull back and you see this wasteland Mm -hmm. where, yep, you're, no, you're in the center of town. It's like, holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess they should be glad he didn't put them like just left the center. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ah, call my computer. My computer. What are you doing? Okay, good. Um, 
I love that moment right near the end where um, uh, Riker's, you know, picking out his away team and everything, and Shelby's being her usual. I want to do it this way, mm-hmm. uh, and he's nope, doing you know, this way. But then it's 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 Deanna that says it's inappropriate. Yeah, for yeah. You're in charge. You know, I like that moment, and I like that he immediately. Uh, he, there's no there's no hesitation. You know. Uh, I think it says something for the way he, one, the way he feels about Deanna, you know, he trusts her and things, um, and he really listened to her in a way that he wasn't really listening to Shelby. Um, two, it shows his own, um, not just intelligence, but his own, you know, his own understanding of the responsibility of command, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there was no hesit- that there was no hesitation that none of that would have been so if there had been a hesitation, but there wasn't. And I like I love that moment too. Um, yeah, I think they set it up to where you know you don't really have any doubt that you know I think I you know I agree with Picard and everybody else, you know the admiral that they all believe they all know that Riker can be a good captain and I think us as an audience we know he would be a good captain, but he but you kind of have that same feeling that you know Riker's good enough to be a captain of his own but you don't want him to leave type thing mm-hmm. watching the episode so there's that you know they kind of create that that little bit of that conflict in the audience I think it's like yeah he could do do the job he's Commander Riker but he's well, yeah. also the first officer so. well you know in a, in a weird way the events of this episode also have the ancillary effect of having a plausible reason why he's on the ship I mean if you have that many um ships destroyed it's going to take a while mm-hmm. to rebuild the fleet a little bit you know so it kind of tables that a little bit for a while you know because you know they're dealing with that too you know pondering how to keep making excuses mm-hmm. uh, one thing I want to point out because it, it makes me laugh every single time uh, when Morph sounds like a little baby he <laughs> is a Borg <laughs> <laughs> it's so yeah like he's pouting. He is a bore. Yeah. Like, Gosh darn it. <laughs> uh, well, Steve, you can um, rest easy tonight. <laughs> uh, the game's over. Yes, Cardinals okay. beat the Dodgers forty-two. Uh, good. Um, <laughs> well, we should wrap up so you can celebrate. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, it's it's. It's very clear to me now that I'm going to be enjoying this episode for the rest of my life, and that's oh, pretty yeah. cool. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of neat. Um, we haven't assume, even talked about. You, go, ahead, go ahead. I just said I assume you played this for your wife. Uh, yes, this was the one. So that that's an, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, we'll, we'll do a very quick season three recap. But yes, I did, and um, and uh, she's had a harder time because I played her all at DS9, so she, and she's, you know, she's more, she watches modern shows, so she's way more interested in shows about character, you know, which is what DS9 is more than Next Gen by far, um, but obviously we're getting more into that section of Next Gen where it's going to become more and more like that. <coughs> um, but this episode is so exciting, like I, like I saw her get really excited when they came and mm-hmm. and took, took Picard and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so. Um, get into what's uh, I I think maybe one of the, the better scenes in the episode, and we didn't really is the scene with Picard and Guinan, and I kind of think it helps talk about the um what this episode's about. Um, mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of ties everything together with Riker, 
for me at least, you know, when I was writing and thinking about it, it was, um, you know, because you have Guinan explaining to the, you know, the captain's touring the ship, and you know they have this thing about the, the tradition, but the captain who started the tradition died in battle. So, but Guinan's message was that humanity will go on. It doesn't matter, really, what happens tomorrow or the next day. Um, the spirit of humanity will go on, and I think that kind of ties in with with what they were doing in this episode is like, well, even if a captain Picard is gone, the mm. show will still go on. Um, you know, so it kind of has that theme there right at the end. Yeah, I can see that. I think another, another, I think it's a lot going on here. And I think another thing that I wrote down was there's this risk reward notion, you know, I mean, it's, it, we kind of decided it's a Riker episode and it's about the choices he makes and the chances he takes. And, you know, he, you know, ultimately he gets down to a point where, you know, I'm at the, like obviously the very end, you know, I'm willing to, to kill my captain or whatever, if it means we have to, we, we survive, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's a lot going on. You know, watching it back in the spring as part of the um, fathom thing for when next gen season three Blu-ray came out. uh, That was the first time I watched it. I mean, obviously, I've watched it back to back with Part Two many, many times over the decades now, starting with when I had the VHS tapes in the '90s. Um, <laughs> but I always watched it, the big Ron Jones dent 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 to be continued, and mm-hmm. then put in the other tape, right? Yeah. And then well, I think I talked about this before, but watching it for the first time cut together as one uh, back in the spring at the Fathom event, it ruined it. I mean, it's not, <laughs> yeah. I don't. It did not ruin the whole episode, but it ruined that moment. Oh yeah. And I I never realized until I saw it then just how important uh, that cliffhanger moment is and that build up to it, fire and the and and the to be continued. I never realized just how much an imp- what an important part of this episode that moment is. And without it, it really hurts. You know, yeah, maybe but- if I'd never seen it this way, but I had. And I'll never watch it that way again, ever. Yeah, you'd have to because re-edit it's so much it. Better like this. You'd have to. Well, they re-edit. did. They, they did, they... but they got, but but they lost that clipping a moment, so that they could cut everything right to, you know, back. To well, better. no, what I'm saying is like instead, you know, because they have that little dissolve in between the, you know, the. No, the that's break. not what they did. Well, no, that's I think that's probably what they should have done is they should have uh. just had instead of him saying. You know, because obviously when we watch the part two, we we go through that whole sequence, and he says fire. They should have just panned in on him and not saying anything dissolved and then you come back i don't know but yeah they probably would have had to do a little, a little creative editing to keep that at least some of that intensity that's still there i mean it was cool that they did that i'm glad i watched it that way once someday i'll probably pick up that standalone blu-ray just for the extra features that are on there if i ever catch it on sale or something but um yeah this is the way to watch the episode uh, although that said, and this is my point, this is the first time in in, in a long time that I, I'm going to wait a couple weeks to watch part two. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. of the structure of our podcast, so that'll be interesting. Anyway, yeah, I thought about watching it. Um, we could probably talk about this episode for another hour. We are not going to do that because I want to do a quick season three recap. But first, six degrees for the awesome episode, the best of both worlds, part one. Uh, I believe it's two. Adam has two. Steve has one. Yep. Steve, George Murdoch plays Admiral Hansen, the admiral that enjoys giving Shelby a wide latitude. In Star Trek V, he played God. What did the Vulcans call him? 
Hmm. What did the Vulcans call God? What was their name for God? Oh, okay. I'll give you a hint. It sounded like the name of the actor Shatner originally wanted to play Cybok. Okay. But did not get. But did not get. I, I don't recall. Adam, do you know that one? Shaka Ray or you Sean Connery. Oh, you were yeah. right. Shaka Ray. Uh, he, he went to Indiana Jones. Damn him. Yeah. <laughs> what was he oh, thinking? Yeah, really. Uh, all right, Adam, uh, finish this quote that Kirk says to God in Star Trek V. What does God need with a blank? <laughs> what does God need with a ship? Um, that's not exactly it. No. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you're close enough that I'll give you a retry, redo. What does God need with a starship? You're correct. What does God need with a starship? Wow, Adam, clean up today. <laughs> that last one was pretty easy. I think Steve. Yeah, I know. It was a gimme. Um, so very briefly here, season three. You know, I always remembered season five as being my favorite. I think because of Darmok and Inner Light. You know, um, but over the years, I've heard a lot of fans say that season three is their favorite. And um, I, I, I can see that. I'm wondering if I'm still going to think season five is my favorite by the time it's done, because uh, this uh, this season had a lot of incredible episodes. I mean, really, really good, really good stuff. Um, who watches the Watchers? We were nuts about that. I mean, it's great. It was really good. Of course, um, you know, we like Deja Q. We like the Defector. Um, the Enemy had a lot of really cool stuff in it. Obviously, yesterday's Enterprise is one of the greatest hours of television ever made. Since the Father was amazing, um, and so you know, since the Father is right up there with Best of Both Worlds as far as how much it's going to influence the rest of the future of Star Trek. Um, Hollow Pursuits. Oh, this is something I was going to mention earlier too, because you know, so like I've said, I'm only playing my wife the highlights of the season. The one episode this season that I didn't play her because I, I incorrectly i mean like i under my memory underestimated the quality of it uh was hollow pursuits like after i watched hollow pursuits i was like crap i wish i'd played that for my wife <laughs> hollow pursuits was great i mean it was way yeah. but i i remembered liking it but it was a really really strong episode mm-hmm. of course Sarek was awesome um and there were a lot of just fun episodes you know like most toys and some others but anyway there are a lot of not just good but great episodes in this season and then Obviously, best of both worlds. We we could, like I said, talk about forever. So, I guess you know, season three was this is the the big transition. We talked about this at the top of the season with Michael Pillar taking over as showrunner. But you know, the big thing we got out of this season was it it went from being a planet of the week or tech problem of the week type of show to a show about our characters. You know. Um, and almost every episode this season, we can say, oh, this is a Picard episode or this is a um, Data episode or, or, or whatever. Um, oh, gosh, I didn't even – I didn't. I made that list earlier. I didn't even – what was the name of, uh, of um, Data's child? The Offspring. Is that it? Um, yeah, The Offspring. Man, The Offspring. I almost cried at the end of that damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so this that's a Data episode, right? And um, – that's what we got out of this season, and even the original the original series didn't do that. Uh, it was you know a show from the sixties. It wasn't like that. Uh, in the first couple of seasons of this show, it was they were trying to find their footing, but this season they found the show. They they really figured out what it was. They made it stronger by making it about our characters. But I mean, there's more to it than that. Um, 
you guys have any kind of wrap up season three shots thoughts here? Well, I, I think that, I mean, yeah, this is a extremely strong season. They, they, um, there are certain highlights during the season in terms of clusters of episodes that are so solid that it makes it questionably the, the best season of the series, uh, especially right towards the middle. And then again, towards the end, and yeah, and there's definitely that transition where this this is becomes the next gen that we we're familiar with the rest of the way through, and that, that is so strong with character and and writing and so forth. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything you guys said. And the great thing about it is we've got what four more seasons to find mm. out if the third is the greatest season. <laughs> I do remember the disliking the seventh, minus, except for the the finale. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be four, five, or six in competition. But um, we'll find out, right? Yeah. And we're going to start with season four in two weeks. Awesome, man! Yeah, the first three episodes of season four: Best of Both Worlds Part Two, Family, and Brothers. Jeez. Yeah. Crap. That's awesome. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> we might we, we might go over a little bit the next time. <laughs> yeah, well, we went over this time because we talked about Best of Both Worlds Part 1 for so long. So, you know, uh, to our listeners, thank you for sticking with us. Um, it's been really fun, and I'm excited about Season 4 in two weeks. Follow us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Follow us on Twitter. That's at trekcompanion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining us, and... Talk to you in two weeks. Take it easy. Bye, guys. See you.